0: Good afternoon. Welcome all for tuning in today. Dave Sims here at The Yoga Voice. We are at City Yoga in Indianapolis, Indiana. I will be your host today in our discussion with international yoga teacher, longtime guest teacher at City Yoga, founder of Star Yoga TV, author of several books, inspirational speaker, Keno McGregor. Keno is visiting us from Miami, Florida, where her and her husband, Tim, founded the Miami Life Center 12 years ago. This is where they teach regular classes and invite teachers to come in and do workshops and various teachings around yoga and meditation. Kino has a very deep understanding of yoga, of the philosophies of the Yoga Sutras, more nuanced teachings. And when she delivers a teaching that's truly inspirational. So let's welcome Keena McGregor. Thank you so much for coming here today.
1: Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Uh, it's a real honor to be the first guest and hi to everyone who's listening. I love, you know, I love this practice and I love the way that it connects me with people and with sort of fellow yogis. I think the thing that inspires me the most is seeing The way that the practice can open up what, you know, what Aldous Huxley called the doors of perception, the way that the practice can shift your worldview just enough so that you can begin to question kind of the status quo assumptions and expand your ideas of who you can be and who the world can be and can open you up to kind of a new way of being that is more from the heart and less from the head more from the spirit and less from, you know, the material paradigm. And and that always really, really inspires me because I feel like even one moment of inspiration, one moment where the crack gets opened and you taste or even get like a hint or a whiff of the eternal, I feel like that can change your whole life. And it's almost like, even if you never experience it again, to be there in that moment as the teacher in a shared space, to be there in that moment as a student, and have some sort of uh, a, a life-changing realization is as a holy experience, is a sacred experience, and I. You know those moments are so inspirational. They they're they're kind of the the tool that I go back to, the foundation that I go back to, that I seek for in my own personal practice, and that I I, I hope to share as a teacher.
0: So beautifully put, and that and I like how you talk about that experience from the perspective of a teacher and of a student, mm. and that's that's why part of why we love having you here is because the you have that. I'm growing, I'm changing, I'm evolving, I'm going to share it and that's it's yeah. just so important in our community to to have that. Um, I would like to h- hear a little bit about what you were like prior to yoga and what happened and, and what you were like and what your life is like today. Mm.
1: Well, before I started yoga, I was definitely a little bit lost. I would say that I had perhaps a slightly above average level of misery. <laughs> and, you know, I I I was lost in the world, you know. I was partying a lot, and I think I was kind of self-medicating depression, undiagnosed depression with high amounts of, you know, illegal chemical substances, and I I was very much lost in that world, you know. And um It was really when, you know, when I was 19 years old, I walked into a yoga class and although I didn't start a deeply committed practice after that, it left a seed inside of me, that kind of crack that opened me up to the idea that this is a real path of healing. So then when I was 22 years old and I'd kind of reached the absolute end of material pleasure, um, I'd reached the point where I really found out that permanent happiness doesn't lie in the perfect house music beat. I'm never gonna find it. You know, I'm never that next high is never gonna be good enough because there'll always be a come down. And I wanted to find out, you know, a way to live a more peaceful life in a, in a sustainable manner. And I wanted to find out, you know, how 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 I could do that. And so I I decided to come to an Ashtanga yoga class. Now, I didn't research it. It was just I was just drawn to it. So then I popped into a primary series class and at the end of the primary series class, I just I'd felt this shift like I'd felt something happen during that class. And I although I was quite terrible at all the postures, you know, I remember lying there at the end and I felt the sense of peace. The sense of kind of wholeness in my body that I hadn't felt before. And I just knew I wanted to keep practicing. So it was really from that moment that I committed myself to the practice. Within a year of taking that first class, I went to India and I've been continuing to make almost annual trips to India for the last 20 years to continue my student's journey. I've begun um, shortly thereafter, I began a meditation practice. I joined the Vipassana meditation course and I've been sitting and having a sitting practice for about about Um, you know, 18 years. And so that's very much a part of my spiritual journey as well. And I can look back now and I can see that the person that I was, um, That there, you know, more than anything, that there was nothing wrong with me. You know, I remember having this feeling like, you know, I needed to improve myself, that I needed to be different than I was, that I needed to achieve more. I needed to either be a different shape. I needed to lose some weight or I needed to be a little bit taller uh, that I remember feeling like if only if only, you know, I didn't have as many zits as I did or if only I, you know, had a, a better college degree or if only I was a little like I was there was this feeling of wanting to be other than who I was and I feel like um, and I feel like I can look back and I can see that there was nothing wrong with me you know that there was that there was this kind of spark of divinity in myself even then and I I think that the biggest shift is that I feel very much at home with who I am now, whereas whereas the person that I was was in a state of, of kind of self-rejection, self-denial, and I would vacillate between kind of self-diminishment and self-aggrandizement and kind of this vacillating between protection of the ego and then annihilation of self, you know, or self-immolation or something like that. and And now I feel very much whole. And at the same time, I, I look back and I can see that I'm not different. There's not, you know, that the, the, there are things that have, have changed. But but I, you know, if I could look back and and um, and see the change, I would say that I'm more myself now and that that self was always there. Then I just wasn't able to make peace with it. I wasn't able to have my heart be big enough to include all those disparate parts of myself and that. And that now, maybe more than ever, I I've, I feel a sense of resolution, a sense of a sense of I amness that mm-hmm. carries through into a quality of being, a quality of presence that moment to moment is really joyful.
0: That's beautiful. So I like the way you put having a heart expanding and being big enough to contain all those things that you know are are. You know our our darker sides, or mm-hmm. our things we're working on in our character, and our um, when you were speaking last night about the Yoga Sutras, and uh, and this opportunity to transform and and peek behind the veil of and look at a true self that you just described so beautifully. I wonder um, one thing came to mind, and I'll put this in the form of a question: of how you deal with it today there's a um, something I read in 12-step um, literature that talks about it's a paraphrase but when we have to choose between character and comfort character gets lost in the dust of our chase after what we think is happiness or success um, you've had this great success mm. and and I'm sure you've been striving to be happy. <laughs> How has that um, come shown up in your life when you have these moments of, care, you know, comfort or self development, and making that choice to to be true to yourself mm. with that o- open, enlarged heart space? Mm-hmm. And
1: well, I think that um, we've, the, particularly in the United States, we very much operate from this paradigm of gain and loss. You know, we operate from, you know, that everything is measured by what we've gotten out of something or what we've lost. And so it's sort of like we bring that into the yoga practice. When I first started, I definitely operated within that paradigm. You know, I'm getting this pose. So then I feel like I'm worth something. Oh, I don't have my handstand press up. So then I feel like I'm not worth something. And so we operate in this gain and loss. I'm getting my forward bend. I'm losing my back bend. And so and and then you also feel like there's a zero sum equation. And this is something that 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 permeates our culture very much where we, we, we feel Feel like there's only a limited amount of sex- success to go around, there's a scarcity mentality, so that w- we operate in this paradigm and it creates this kind of panic, mad rush to achieve more as though through achievement we will somehow prove our worth. But it, it comes very much from, you know, a space of, of unworthiness, a space of believing that we have to do all these worldly things in order to prove that we're worthy of love, of of, of being valued, of, of being whole. When in fact, the opposite is true. It's nothing in the material world can make us whole. Nothing in the material world can ever validate the inherent quality of being. So the idea of pursuing... Things in the material plane, achievements, whether those achievements are yoga poses or more numbers in your bank account or ticking things off the boxes of good personhood, you know, checking off all those boxes. You know, I donated to charity, I donated my time, I helped a stray dog, I rescued an orphan, or whether it's, you know, I graduated top of my class, or whether it's I do, you know, five hours of, you know, yoga and handstand practice every day, or I study the Gita for, you know. 10 hours a day or something like we check off all these boxes and if we're operating from the paradigm of scarcity, we're operating from the paradigm of gain and loss, it's all an effort to prove our worthiness. And I definitely started off with that in the practice, you know, on days that I felt that I achieved something in the practice, I felt calm and happy and on days that I felt that I didn't do so well in the asana realm, I felt sort of unhappy and I don't know when a shift took place, but I kind of felt like the operating system in my mind got updated and that entire paradigm changed. So that instead of operating from gain and loss, I operate from a place of wholeness, from a place of beingness that understands that, well, whatever I achieve, is an emanation from that place. Whatever I do is an emanation from a place of wholeness, of resolution, of completeness, of peace. And then, and then, well, everything is joyful then. Well, then, you know, hey, if I fall out of a posture, then I can laugh at it because I know that that, that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm unqualified to be a teacher or I'm unqualified to be a yogi. And in the same way, that sort of uh, feeling of wholeness can build resilience to face life's failures because inevitably things happen, you know, you work and you work and you, and as the Gita says, you have a right to work, but not a right to the fruits of your work or the results of your actions. So the mm. I, the idea of, of, of being, of operating from a place of wholeness helps you, helps me anyway, whether the, the inevitable vicissitudes that come with operating in the material world, where sometimes you give your bests. And it, it, it wasn't good enough. You didn't achieve the results. But hey, that's okay because you did your best, learn from it, and, and and if the effort came from a place of wholeness, well even the failure can be exhilarating, can be joyful, you know? Yeah. Even the tragedy, even the pain, even the loss can be part of that sort of open hearted feeling of wholeness. You can let it all in. Even the anger that comes up, you can let it all in and it can be a part of the joy. It can sort of it can be a part of the totality of of of, of beingness.
0: Ooh, alchemy happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, so on that note, what would you like to share maybe a challenge or something that you've had to walk through the vicissitudes of life hmm. that that comes to mind that this applies?
1: Well, one of the challenges that I've kind of been working through lately has been anger. You know, I think that as someone who works and lives very much in the yoga world, I think that anger is something that... Um, is misunderstood in the spiritual community. You know, there are a lot of people that as soon as somebody is angry, they immediately are like, just breathe, calm down, all is good. Like, don't be so angry, don't be so negative, like good vibes only. And so there's kind of a very big rejection of anger. Mm. And I also f- feel that just with my own you know, my own history, I have, you know, I've experienced some early childhood trauma. So I'm a trauma survivor. So I also have um, in like a trauma response to anger, which is that I, I didn't actually feel anger around the events around my early childhood for i would say 20 years after it happened mm-hmm. so i have a delayed response to my own anger and that combined with operating in a spiritual community that has a very a very kind of repressed or rejected relationship to anger that that was something that was really really hard for me to integrate into the the the, the notion of wholeness and so what would end up happening for me was that immediately i noticed that if i was if somebody else was angry i was uncomfortable with their anger and i would immediately take on the emotional labor of trying to process for them, Mm, you know, so that if they if someone was angry, I immediately was like, oh, well, what are you angry about? Like, how can we solve it? Like I would treat it kind of like a a problem to be solved instead of just giving space for the person to feel what they feel and letting them do their own emotional labor. I would immediately take that on. And myself as well, I wouldn't even recognize that I was angry. I would immediately go into, well, this is okay. We can try to make it work anyway and go into kind of ameliorating the situation and problem solving. And then sometimes I wouldn't realize that a boundary had been crossed for me or that a violation had happened and that I was angry for days after. Mm -hmm. So something I've been working with recently is actually integrating anger more completely into the sort of, just the paradigm of wholeness. And it really wasn't something that I chose, but it's definitely (sighs) something that kind of came up for me. You know, and it came up for me during a meditation retreat, but not in the way that one would think. So in a meditation retreat that I went to recently, and I do these silent, uh, these silent meditation retreats called Vipassana. Mm -hmm. And in a recent meditation retreat, um, I was noticing that I would continually just find myself slouching. So I would just be sitting and then suddenly I would be slouching and I'm sitting and I'd be slouching. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and I wouldn't notice the moment that I decided to slouch. So I went and spoke to the teacher and I was like, okay, you know, I find myself slouching all the time. And, and then he said, well, are you in pain? And I said, I'm not that I'm aware of, like, I don't really feel any pain. I just notice I'm slouching and then I straighten up. And then he said, well, you know, if you're, if, if it's very difficult, you should try to lie down. And I was like, you know, I don't really think it's that. Like and, and I and I realized that in the meditation retreat, the cushion that I was sitting on was very cushy. Uh-huh. And it kind of gave me the feeling of like being on the couch. Uh-huh. And so I was like kind of chill. And so I shared that with the teacher and he said, What do you normally sit on at home? And I said a very, very thin cushion on the floor, just kind of almost like just like a like a little bit thicker, almost like a towel. I just, uh-huh. you know, and so I'm used to sitting on a very flat, hard surface. And so to sit on a on like a plush carpeted floor with a cushion, I just immediately wanted to like chill, you know? <laughs> right. And so he said to me, well, why don't you try to just sit on the floor without a cushion? And I was like, oh, okay. So I'll make it more like what I'm used to. because I don't normally do that in my home seated practice. Mm-hmm. So in the next long sit, um, I did that and I removed the cushion. And then I found out that as I was sitting there, um, I noticed, so I thought fa- like it happened, I slouched a little and I picked it right back up and I was like, okay. And then I had this thought, you need to find the moment before you slouch you need to find that you need to stay hyper vigilant and super present and you need to feel what is it that you're slouching because this is a reaction to something it's just it's a reaction to something that you're not like i'm talking to myself you know it's a, it's a reaction right. to something that i wasn't cognizant of uh-huh. so this is like the deepest type of samskara right the deepest type of behavioral pattern it's something that's happening without you being aware of it happening mm-hmm. i didn't wasn't even aware of the stimulus i wasn't mm-hmm. even aware of why i was slouching i didn't even think there was a slouching it was just suddenly i would find myself slouching so then i i had this thought okay now I'm on the floor I need to be hyper aware and hyper vigilant I need to be over present I need to wake up literally wake up Uh and so I sat there I'm like okay you do not move you do not move you stay present with the technique you do not move don't move don't move stay with the technique stay with and then snap it happened there was pain and it was this deep pain around um, like my right hip area, like not in the joint, but kind of just in the whole diffuse area of the hip. Not, not, I couldn't like identify it as, oh, it's the iliopsoas, oh, it's the hamstring. Because this, if I could have done that, it would have been as a yogi it would have been extremely easy to just be like, OK, I feel that muscle, I'll let it be there. But it was the whole area from kind of like my navel down to the middle of my right thigh and just included the whole region. And it just was like it started off as kind of a dull ache. And I was like, oh, interesting. And and then it started to turn into fire and heat and it was just like excruciating. And I was like, oh, I was avoiding this, <laughs> you know, and um, and I sat through it and I didn't move and it got worse and worse and worse. It did not dissipate. It just sat there and got worse and worse and worse. And then, and then at the very, very end of the sit, it dissipated. So it was just sort of like burning for nearly like nearly an hour. And then, and then I, and I made the decision to sit through it and then it dissipated towards the end. And I will say after the next sit, I went back to the cushion. Um, Uh I felt like this was a bad move to sit on the floor. You know, it wasn't, it helped me see something, but I was like, I'm going to take that cushy thing again. And, um, and then, you know, I did that and I just sort of, you know, I, I realized it and I, I kind of, I kind of got this feeling like that there was liberation, there was freedom in sitting with my pain. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing that's interesting is that that happened and I was feeling sort of very, you know, very immersed in kind of a, a meditative state of a, a, an, an quality of, of joy and presence that included the pain but I hadn't seen the pattern in my life right okay it was just I didn't really I was just like okay well that was what it is and then, and then a few months later after the meditation retreat then the anger started to come up. You know, I started to, I, I, I became triggered in a situation where, um, a friend of mine got angry and, um, instead of, and you know, I, I I immediately went into that pattern of trying to process her emotional labor and immediately trying to make it okay. But suddenly it wasn't okay with me anymore. You Uh know, I really, I felt the, how it felt in my body and how it wasn't okay. And then I, you know, and then I went and worked with my therapist and went and worked with an energy healer and continued my sitting practice and did all of the spiritual Development work that I do to complement kind of the inner journey, and then I re- I, I realize the correlation. This was the pattern.
0: Uh This was
1: the pattern. This was it. Because I didn't know all that about myself in relation to anger. Mm -hmm. I realized this was it. This was the fiery burning. This is the fiery burning sensation that I have an automated response to. And my automated response is trying to make it comfortable. So I'm uncomfortable with other people's anger. So what do I do? I try to make their anger go away. And then I don't even feel my own anger. I immediately try to move away from it. And it's such a subconscious pattern related to my early childhood trauma so that I don't even know it's there. But be, and then it was like because I was strong enough to face in the meditation retreat. Then when it when that pattern was triggered in my life, I was unable to revert to the previous status quo. Yeah. I needed to shift my life actions as well. So then I had to do all the emotional process work and employ all the tools with you know of of traditional psychotherapy. I do dialectical behavioral therapy or DBT or CBT, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, as well as working with you know my spiritual advisors and doing all of that kind of personal yeah. development growth to really institute a new pattern in how I show up and act in the world, all related to changing the pattern of my response to pain, recognizing a deeply seated samskara, a deeply seated behavioral pattern that was preventing me from experiencing complete wholeness.
0: Yeah. So that's, it just rings of that with awareness comes some responsibility, some accountability, some our it's like our bodies are asking for change. Mm -hmm. Like here's something... What are you going to do with it? Yeah. And you did like you dug deep like you tend to do. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is really cool. Yeah. Um that's uh shifting gears a little bit. Um you do a lot of you know work within yourself and the community. I'm I'm curious how um you met Tim and how you mm. y- you guys came together um and started you know the Miami life mm. and and Because when we work through this stuff, when we have a partner, you know, there's a, there's a parallel track, but then there's standing strong alone, I, yeah. I feel like. What, yeah. um, how is that part of your life interwoven with all, mm. all this journey?
1: Well, I feel like because Tim and I met um, in the yoga world... We shared the spiritual journey from the beginning, you know.
0: Oh, Mysore. Yeah, we, yeah. Well,
1: we actually, we met in uh, Trivandrum, which is near kovalam Beach, near in Kerala. We were okay. on the same airplane and I was connecting from, I would bought this round the world plane ticket and I was sort of on like, you know, this personal growth journey and I'd connected through Kuwait City and he was coming from Copenhagen and he was connecting through Kuwait City we were the only two Westerners on the airplane. And so we met, um, you know, uh, in the airport, actually not in the airplane, I somehow, I have a Great! I have I have a a wonderful skill of being able to sleep on airplanes. Okay. So as you know, as soon as the airplane takes off, I almost have sort of a Pavlovian response. I get I immediately <laughs> it's done for me. It's time to sleep. You know, yeah, and I yeah. can sleep and sleep. So we landed, and then I saw Tim um, when I, when he 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 had somehow gotten to the baggage claim before I did, and he was coming out of the baggage claim, and I was walking in, and I said, Hey, are you here doing that yoga thing? And he said, Yes. Yeah. And then I said, Do you want to share a taxi? And then kind of that was the beginning. Uh-huh. And then so we share yoga. So we very much know what it means to be, you know, triggered from the practice, to have stuff come up, to work through injuries, to work through emotionality, to have different patterns come up. And, you know, he's very much been with me in each step of the journey. And I'm so grateful for that, because if I didn't if I wasn't with someone who was as committed to growth and could kind of recognize growth emotional growth spiritual growth i think that that i would have outgrown the relationship but he's been someone like he's changed as well and has grown in his own way as well and in many ways he's been a- a with me through all of the constant you know, evolution of our consciousness and of our relationship. And that's that's been extremely important because I've changed a lot. You know, my level of consciousness, my presence is has shifted. And there are some people that, you know, maybe I, I haven't seen them for a while or they they don't grow. And so what I what I noticed that that for me sometimes it can be very difficult actually to keep the same group of friends because I feel I'm constantly shifting. I'm constantly right. in a different space, in a different vibration onto a new thing. And then there are people that that are with me for a part of the journey, but then uh, you know, I shift and evolve and I'm into something else. And then, and then those people that I'd shared so much with, there, it's not that I don't wanna talk to them anymore, it's just that it shifts. And so it's actually been quite difficult for me to, to, to stay, I would say, with, the, with like a same group of friends for a period of time. But Tim has been able to be with me through the ups and downs, and, and I would even say kind of quantum leaps in, <laughs> in, um, in personal growth and, and spiritual development.
0: Very cool. And that um, you were originally from Miami. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's nice that you got to have that home and community, yeah. you know, where, where things started for you. And, yeah. and the, um, um, so I've heard you say, and, you know, I've, I've seen posts on social media about this business of making people really, truly happy. Oh how' where did that come about and how's that play out
1: well I think first of all they do so many things right so Tim and I founded Miami Life Center so we're studio owners and our studio has been there for you know like 12 years and and that's been really really meaningful and I'm an author so I've written a bunch of books I'm working on another one and constantly coming up with new books you know, like projects and things like that. Um, you know, I founded Om Stars, which I love because it gives me an avenue to do, you know, online videos and to be really creative of telling the story of yoga. So, uh, so you know, in Om Stars, we do more than just 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 instructional videos. We also have, you know, yoga-related lifestyle content and kind of, you know, where where what we seek to really be is kind of like Netflix for yogis. So that we have content that speaks to the yoga lifestyle, you know, to the yogi mindset. That's beyond just class content. Not that class content is not valuable. It really, really is. It's just that we want to really provide that full that full experience So for me one of the hardest questions that I ever get asked is what do you do? (laughs) <laughs> you know, cause I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm an author, I'm a yoga teacher, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a studio owner. I'm a student of yoga. I'm a spiritual seeker. I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know? And, um, and I've, I've been like thinking about it. I was like, you know what, like all of these things that I do, why do I do them all? I want to bring people into a state of wholeness, into a state of happiness, into a state of joy. Because if you look around, um, one of the things that you really see is happy people mm-hmm. make a happy space. If you, if you know happy people that are truly genuinely happy, then they spread happiness around. People that are miserable, they spread misery around. They're miserable, then they make miserable, short sighted decisions, selfish decisions, you know, instant gratification based decisions that make both their world and the world at large a more unhappy place and they generate more misery. How can so, so, how can you make the world? <laughs> so so how can you make the world a happier place? Well, you know, some people pick up their baton and then they go out and, you know, they try to change the world. You know, let's g- change this government structure and let's, you know, do a protest over here and these kinds of things. And I, I tried that, you know, and it didn't it didn't work for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And so not that I'm against that. I feel we need that. We need those strong, powerful voices of activism in the world. But for me, I felt I feel genuinely like the way I can help people is through compassion. I can mm-hmm. understand, hey, you're suffering and I can show you the way out. suffering. Do you want to get really happy? So I can kind of see myself saying, you know, I'm in the business of making people really, really happy. That's my contribution to making the world a better place. Because no matter where you are, whether you're a world leader, or whether you're a student, or whether you're a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer or an Uber driver or a barista or a bartender, if you're happy, truly happy. That happiness is going to radiate to every single human interaction you have. And you're going to be able to check out on the grocery store and your happiness is going to leave a little like a little gift with a cashier and the checkout line. Mm-hmm. And when you pass through the toll and you give your you know, dollar to pass through the toll to the toll attendant, you're going to leave a little gift of happiness with them. And that that can change the world. So I feel that this is a really, really powerful thing mm-hmm. and that happy people make better decisions, that happy people are true, you know, truly happy, uh, not the, not wearing the badge of happiness, right. you know, because when we hear happy, we think happy, happy all the time. No, 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 no. happy as in the sense of happiness and joy beyond needing a positive outcome all the time happiness that's not predicated on good outcomes happiness that includes the grief that includes the tragedy that includes the loss that's able again to weather those those emotional storms that come up and down so I don't know maybe maybe I, I feel like I want to start saying you know I'm I'm a I'm a spiritual development teacher or, or <laughs> I'm in the I'm in you know I'm a, I'm a happiness teacher or something like that <laughs> yeah I
0: love that and it's very much the opposite of what we tend to do or like I know I've done in the past is like the spiritual bypass. Right. It, and you alluded to that earlier of like, just let it go or just, you know, be pe you know, I'm mm-hmm. a yogi, I'm going to be peaceful. And, and that's, it sounds like this genuine happiness uh-huh. that you wish to spread and share in the world. It's an energy that, that you can, you know, send out there and, and, mm-hmm. and I believe people are receptive to it. I know, Every time you've come here since I've been around for close to 10 years yeah. that you always leave in your wake people that have, have, have felt a, sh- a shift, felt, mm. felt a, a gratitude for like opening up, getting them in, in touch with something, whether it's, you know, a technical specific thing about a posture mm. on a very superficial level or this deeper understanding of themselves and mm-hmm. a joyful heart and being more, you know, I think you obviously come out with this open heart spreading love and, and joy. And, and I've seen it rub off on people. Mm-hmm. I've seen it rub off on me. And so it's really, it's really a beautiful, I say that with a lot of gratitude because mm-hmm. people are struggling. People are going through their stress and busyness and this and that. And when they have this little, Peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Then it's then it leaves a lasting impact, and I can think of what you know more. You know, it's just a valuable work to be doing in the world. So mm-hmm. I thank you for that.
1: Oh, and thank you for that. That's really <laughs> that's really nice to hear as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. So we've got a a little bit of a time constraint, but it's been it's been really good chatting. Yeah. What. Tell us a little bit about what you have coming up summer 2019 here with uh, Your World.
1: Well, one of the things I'm most interested in is uh, facilitating uh, entry into kind of a deep space of powerful presence. And one of the things that's kind of been missing in the way that I've been teaching is is the sort of small group Mysore style. So mm-hmm. in Miami, I'm starting to do these Mysore style weeks where it's a week of practice and we do Mysore style in the morning and it's limited to 30 students. And then in the afternoon we do, um, you know, discussion workshops and it's sort of time to spend going a bit deeper into the practice. And because there's only 30, students, we can move quite deeply Mm -hmm. in a week. And so, um, there's one in August in Miami and then another one in October. And so I'll be doing this regularly at Miami life center. And this is a really good opportunity for people to come and dive into the traditional method and really kind of go through, go through a really deep personal process Mm -hmm. over, you know, over a month and also come visit the beach and whatnot. So Uh, that's, that's really, really nice. Otherwise I'm always traveling. So there's always different workshops. I'm going to Boulder, um, and Denver this, summer as well as I think Washington DC and I will maybe be in Cleveland as well this summer. So there are some interesting dates uh as well. My all my schedule is on my website at kinoyoga.com. So people can always find me there. Um otherwise I'm always working on some sort of a new writing project. So I'm working nah. on a new manuscript, but that's that's going to be a little while in the making.
0: <laughs> oh, can you drop a hint of what it's content?
1: Well, there are two, there are actually two books. There are two projects that I'm working on concurrently. There's one that's going to be called Yoga Challenge and it's a new book and there are 30 poses. And the mission of this book is to take the practice and make it accessible. So all my other books, uh, you'll find me modeling the postures. This book, you're going to find me um, lifting up different students to show a true diversity of size, shape, age and ethnicity so that you'll be able to really see different bodies doing different doing doing the the poses in ways that work for them including different modifications and there'll be instructions about modifications so these are 30 poses that are meant to be made accessible for everyone. And so this this book will be coming out in 2020.
0: 2020. Okay, very good. Yeah. Um I know you have a lot several books and some uh, the uh, practice cards and that, yeah. all that's available on Amazon, mm-hmm. I'm sure. We'll have the information you shared in the uh, episode notes for people mm-hmm. that want to try to find that. And uh, any, any parting words you'd like to share?
1: Um, I mean, more than anything, I feel that the most important thing is to keep practicing. You know, um, not lose faith in yourself keep the faith in yourself, keep the faith in the practice. Remember that your yoga teachers, myself included, are human beings. And if there are, if there are flaws and imperfections that you see in the human beings that are around you, recognize their humanity, that, uh, you know, the only perfect being in my experience is God. And we're all on our path to be more and more in communion with God and keep your faith and keep practicing because that in and of itself will lead you closer and closer and closer. You'll be taking, that, you know, little baby steps forward on the path each day, but keep the faith, believe in yourself and stay on the mat.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you from all of us here at the Yoga Voice and at City Yoga. And thank you all for tuning in today. We welcome your feedback, Uh, subscribe, leave us your comments and have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to The Yoga Voice, brought to you by City Yoga School of Yoga and Health, where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms. Find out more at www.cityyoga.biz. That's C-I-T-Y-O-G-A dot biz. Special thanks to our producer, Brian Sims, for his audio expertise.